You're listening to audio from Embassy Church. We exist to advance the message and ministry of Jesus in the city of Bloomington, on the campus of IU, and to the ends of the earth. But this is Psalm 139, and it's a long one, so track with me. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from afar away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It's lofty. I'm unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark for you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me. When I was formless all my days, they were written in your book and planned. Before a single one of them even began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. God, if only you would kill the wicked, you, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me. Who invoke you deceitfully, your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you? I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Pastor. Um, could we just play Ben Rector under my whole sermon, actually? That would be, you guys like that? I'm going to fix this, too, before I look like an idiot. Uh, morning. My name's Derek. Uh, I'm the college pastor here, so I lead the Salt Company. Seeing a few more college students the last month or so, but hopefully by next Sunday, you really feel them. Um, if not... That's because I didn't do my job this week because it's a big week for Salt Company. Um, Wednesday and Thursday, you can just be praying over all these things. Um, we have our leaders retreat, so about 25 leaders will just get away for a night and kind of, it's not really a retreat, more of an advance where we just lay plans to go hard um, for Miss Trip to Campus, we call it. The first week of school is critical. Y you remember the time if you went to college, right? Like there's no time like it in your life, like those first days of, of college, and so one of my assault director friends puts it as four days that can change the next four years that can change the next four generations. And so uh, it's an important window. So you can be praying. Um, that's, that's coming up this week. And then, yeah, next Sunday, hopefully there's a, a, a burst of college life in the room. And then Thursday after that's our, our kickoff on campus. And so huge week. Uh, I, I'll actually bring it up again at the end. I'd, I'd really love your guys' prayers as our church, uh, that if we care about the next generation, we got to get on our knees and ask God to, to reach them. And so, yeah, Psalm, Psalm 139. 
this morning will hopefully get us into that just posture a little bit. Uh, Critter just, just read it for us. And human, human beings, I think, are interesting, right? Because there's this desire to, like, be known. Like, I, I want to be accepted. I want to be, you know, popular. I wanna, at least, like, somebody has to, like, know that I exist, right, in order for me to feel good. But it's a spectrum because I don't want to be too known because of the sin curse and the fact that I'm wicked. I don't want you to know everything about me. And so that's why social media is perfect, right? Because... I can just let you know that I exist and get some, some of that dopamine, but not let you know everything about me, because if you did, you would you'd be afraid of me, and you would hate me. Humans are interesting. Babies cry because they need this attention. You know, they, they got to be known. It's like human instinct. Uh, the cultural narrative is kind of like, hey, you need to love me, but respect my personal space. Like, don't, I can veto any personal question that arises, but, you, you know. We need to love each other, right? This psalm this morning is, is all about this idea of being intimately known. If, if what we've been going at this summer with the psalms, the way Critter's kind of talked about it, is just getting to know this personal God with more of our person, there's no psalm more personal than Psalm 139. It is as in your business as it could possibly get. And so if you need another title, I don't know what your Bible says, the CSB says the all-knowing, ever-present God. That's kind of what we're going to drive home this morning, but for me, as I I read it, you know, and and think about especially my life before knowing Christ, a a better title for this psalm is just like, yikes. Yikes. It's uncomfortable and convicting if this psalm is true. If God really does know everything and sees everything and is everywhere all the time, yikes. And so, as we look at the most personal psalm, I'd argue, this morning, uh, we just need to know that this, this thing that we talk about a lot, the gospel, it, it really doesn't even start with, with something that we need to know, but like, it starts with being known by the God of the universe that, that really is and, and does exist and does love and does care for this, this room. And so Psalm 39 is, is going to leave no room for questioning whether we're known or not, but hopefully by the end it's, it's not a yikes it actually is a comfort and a blessing. So I'm just going to kind of walk through it like we have uh, all summer. And verses 1 through 5 is, is essentially pointing to the fact that he really does know everything. Lord, you have searched me. You know me. You know when I sit down, when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You're aware of all my ways. Before a word is in the back of my mouth, Back of my tongue, middle of my tongue, tippy top of my tongue, out of my mouth. You know those words. You have encircled me. You placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I'm unable to reach it. What, is, what does the Lord know? He knows when we sit down, when we get up. He knows our thoughts from far away. He knows if there's more wheels or more doors in the universe. Maybe you've been, a, uh, maybe you're trendy. You know that this is a big debate in our culture right now. Are there more wheels or are there more doors? Team, team doors, show of hands. Those would be the wrong people in the room. Team wheels, yeah. Maybe you've just heard me in this argument. Uh, it's, it is wheels. You know, you don't have to be God to figure that one out because there's six billion Hot Wheels out there. They don't have any doors, and they all have four wheels, and that is six with a B billion Hot Wheels 
But Lego is the biggest manufacturer of wheels in the universe, and they make about 381 million wheels a year, and they, they're not biodegradable, so that's every year. Uh, <laughs> 381 million Lego wheels. God knows exactly how many doors and wheels there are, though. He knows exactly who's here this morning, even though I don't know all of you. He knows your middle names. He knows your great-great-great-grandparents' middle names. And he knows what your great-great-great-great-great-grandparents were going to name your great-great-great-grandparents and all the list of those names. He knows all the thoughts in this room right now. He knows how many people this very instant globally are thinking about their celebrity crush. And it just went up by 150. <laughs> he knows all the thoughts in the state of Indiana right now. He knows all the thoughts in the country of India on this day 11 years from now. He's not bound by time or place like we are. He knows how many people will be at the Salt Company kickoff next Thursday, although I wish I knew. Uh, maybe, I don't know if I'd sleep better or worse, but I'd at least know how to order pizza because I was on the phone with Mother Bears and like, how many do you want? And I was like, how many do you want me to buy? I don't know. Uh, um, we landed on 390 slices. Um, that way, if there's 390 people there, everybody gets one, or if there's 200, everybody but 10 people gets two, or <laughs> if there's 39 people there, we all get 10. Whole pizza. God knows. He knows how many people we at the Salt Company kickoff on Indiana University's campus in 50 years. And I hope it's a lot more than will be there this year. He knows what this church is going to look like a year from now, a decade from now. He's the one building it. And this, this wondrous knowledge says in verse 6, it's beyond me. It is lofty. He's like, David's commenting on the, the previous five verses. He just says, this is beyond me. Because it is. Isaiah says something similar in Isaiah 53. Uh, God, your thoughts are so far above mine. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so your thoughts are to my thoughts, God. If we're going to approach the God of Psalm 139, we've got to approach him with this idea. He's beyond us. But he's also not far from each one of us. Let's keep reading. God knows everything, and, and God is, he's all present, he's everywhere. Verse 7, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. I don't, Sheol's a little confusing in the Old Testament, and I, I don't think people make their beds there, but if I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, you're there. This is, I like how the ESV translates this. This is basically just hyperbole for, if I go all the way to the east, I go all the way to the west, right? You're there. But the ESV says, if I go from like the, the wings of the morning, you're there. And if I go into the uttermost parts of the sea, you're there, right? Like where the sun rises and where it sets over the sea. He must have been in California, David was when he penned this. God, you're there. You're there. But it gets even better. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me. And the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are all alike to you. In heaven, there is no need for sun, right? He is the light. Even in the darkest place where I think, surely God must not be here. The darkness isn't dark to him. 
Was it Bane and Batman? You, you merely adopt the dark. I was born in it. Yeah, tell that one to the God of Psalm 139. The darkness isn't real to me, Bane. He's everywhere. He's all-knowing. Where can I go? Answered nowhere. Two things you can't outrun. I was thinking about this. Like there's, I, I could really only think, like most things in life that I want to get away from, I can. But the two things I really can't is myself and the Lord of the universe. And Psalm 139 is going to address both of those, those things by the time we're done with it. Verse 13, keep moving. So God knows everything. He's everywhere. Now he's, part of what it means to know everything is he knows us. He knows me. He knows you. It was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous. I know this very well. Again, ESV says, my soul knows this. There's something in our souls that knows there's a creator. My bones were not hidden from you and I was made in secret. One time you, you were God's little secret, if you will. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. When I was nothing, God knew me. He knew you. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them even began. Before I went to Iowa State University, before I knew Jesus, he knew me. He had planned my footsteps to walk onto that campus and to meet him. Before I even cared to know him, he knew I'd one day be here unpacking Psalm 139. He knows you. He knows me. We know so little about the human body, you know? Like, there's a lot of optometry majors at IU, and I don't think we know the first thing about eyeballs. There's no way. <laughs> and that's like a half outward, half inward part, you know? The inward parts? Well, let's start with the outward parts. Hair on my arms? Why do I have hair on my arms? Why does it get lighter in the sun? I don't know. I can't understand the fr beyond me. I don't know anything about inward parts. All I've started to realize at 20... Seven is, I can't eat a, a lot before bed or I can't sleep very good. It's something inward I'm figuring out. God knows all that. He knows every tiny detail about the human body. He made us. And then verse 17, 18, it's kind of like a commentary, kind of like verse 6. On the thoughts before, God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I'm still with you. Let's keep going. We got a little, we got a left turn here. God, if only you would kill the wicked. <laughs> you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me. You who invoke deceitfully, your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you? I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. What? This doesn't seem like it fits here. I mean, granted, let's give David a little credit. We all have those days when we hate everyone, don't we? 
I, I think my sister and I fought pretty good growing up. I don't think I ever, though, said, I hate you with extreme hatred. <laughs> What's going on here? Well, two things. One, I, I don't think David's necessarily in the wrong here. I think he truly had learned to, to hate his own sin, to hate sin, to hate the things that God hates and to love the things that God loves in a way that I, I, I am a little envious of, right? Uh, I remember a, a time, I don't know, modern day example of this, I guess, but I'll get to the, the second thing I think is true about this portion of Psalm 139. Uh, I was at Kroger last Easter, the day before Easter, maybe? No, that's wrong. It wasn't on Easter. It was like the week after. Little Five. Whenever Little Five was happening. Uh, and I was like, there was this, this scene happening at Kroger because these two dudes from Kilroy's were there and they were like, we need all your ice. They were buying all the ice at all the Kroger's in town because it was hot and it was a little five weekend and they couldn't get enough ice. And it just struck me like, man, what, is our, what does that say about our culture? When I, We had Easter last Sunday and I only had to buy 10 bags of ice. Granted, it was, it was cold on Easter. <laughs> and it was hot on Little Five. But part of me just hated that. I didn't hate those dudes. They weren't my enemies. But I was like, man, I, in order for resurrection to really happen in a place, in a person, death has got to happen to some level first. Like, I, I understood that in college, my sophomore year, when it was like, man, a huge part of me, like my whole life really, was having to die in order to be supplanted with a way that was actually good and right. And it, and it felt weird and awesome and, and hard at the same time. So like places like Kilroy's or some of the frats and shorties, like they, they'll have to die in order for me to see what I want to see happen on this campus. And like I'm totally okay with that. I think it would be very good <laughs> for our community, but I, I think there's, there's some level of that happening, right, in this psalm, but I think there's another thing happening, and you've got to understand the whole Bible, and that's what we're getting to. Uh, here's what we're about to look at the last two verses. Vengeance is just different after the cross, right? So there's something we understand about the way God works and the way that he's going to bring justice, and it's going to be combined with mercy, in a way that David literally did not fathom, right? And so even some of my D groups earlier this summer were asking me about some of these psalms that are like, man, kill our enemies, what's going on here? And I just said, hey, you got to remember first and foremost, the cross changes everything. And at one time, David for sure understood he was living his life in such a way that him, himself, he was an enemy of God. We all in this room, at one time or another, enemies and so when David moves on to verse 23 I think this is actually bolder than even the verses he just penned he says search me God and know my heart test me and know my concerns see if there's any offensive way in me lead me in the everlasting way bold Arrogant, it almost seems at first read. 
At first, you know, you read this like, test me. You know, that language is like for like horse or pig, you know, like you're on. Nowadays, the young kids say bet. All right, bet. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Try me is what it, it, it seems like that's the words he's saying, but I think the way he ends means there's a, it's a little different posture than what the words maybe say at first glance. David is, I think, pleading with God to do the very thing God does. If you look at verse 1, it's, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Now he says, God, please search me and know me. Please see if there is any offensive way in me. Almost implying there is. But I don't even know them as fully as you know them. Search me and know me. And how's the end? Lead me. Lead me, God, in the way that's actually everlasting. An arrogant person wouldn't finish with, please lead me. An arrogant person would say, I'm a good leader. <laughs> like, God, how, how well am I leading? Pat me on the back. No, he says, lead me in the only way that's good and right and going to last forever. There's... There's not a ton of options for us as human beings when we're faced with a God as big as the one of the Bible that actually knows and sees everything. But I think there are some options, right? We can certainly try to run away or at least run towards something else that has a lowercase g a lowercase God, and, and try to just get our satisfaction from that thing. That would probably look like running away. We can stand and fight, you know? You see a lot of people just mad at God in our culture. They've made God really small, but he's knowable, right? If I'm running away, it's because God's small and I don't know him, so who cares? If I have a bone to pick with God, it's probably because I've, I've misconstrued something about the way that he is, and so I feel like I know him, and I feel like he's small, and I can shake my fist at him. A lot of people, I mean, maybe you're just born in the church, so there's like this blind followership of God. Like God is big and he's probably right, but he's also like unknowable to me. Like I just, it, it, maybe a better way to think about this is like we try to earn God. We try to be really moral and religious thinking that that's what he desires of us. That's, I think that's too small. Right, what's David doing though? He's, he's just running towards. <laughs> Was David a sinner? Yeah. Jacked up dude? Yep. But he, he's in this place of just like, God, please, search me, know me, reveal my blind spots to me, lead me. Whatever you ask, I'm yours. How do we get to that place? This looks like coming out of hiding, right? If in Genesis it was like, oh, fig leaves, hiding, running. Something's got to happen in a person for them to be like, this psalm isn't scary to me now. I've been found out, and yet there's this grace that I've found in the midst of being found out. If you're 
if I'm God's enemy, like I was, this psalm is just a big yikes. But there is something in life that gives us the courage and the desire to even run towards a God like this, and it's the gospel. It's the only thing. The gospel is the key to understanding your whole Bible, all the Psalms, all the Old Testament, absolutely this Psalm. If there's no cross, we should run away, or we should stand and fight, or we should try to earn God's love for sure. If there's no cross, those are our options. Because as a human being like me, it is terrifying to be fully known unless we know we're fully loved and fully forgiven at the same time. See, the cross is where God made himself known. The cross is this unique moment in human history where God didn't just say, hey, I know you. He showed it. He showed who he was to us in a way that he never has or never will have to again. The cross where God made himself known, what, what he was really like, this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present one, took on human flesh and died. Why? So that he could scream at us, you are loved. Yes, I know you. But yes, I love you. Psalm 139 leaves no doubt that we are known. The cross of Jesus leaves no doubt that we are loved. God is all-knowing, all and if there's, there's one thing you need to know this morning, it's that the all-knowing one died for King David, died for me, died for you. That's the message I can't wait to tell college students next Thursday and every Thursday after that. It's the only thing you're going to hear, hopefully, from this church. And I, I was, this, this morning, I was just like, eh, I'm fiddling around, you know, not, not feeling great about my sermon, whatever. Spurgeon preached, Charles Spurgeon preached uh, on just this last verse, just, just verse 24. See if there's offensive way of me, lead me in the everlasting way. This sermon titled, The Everlasting Way. All good sermon titles just have the text. And he just pointed out so much just about this final verse. God, lead me in the everlasting way, please. It's fitting to even end our, our series here in Psalm 139 because this, this, this way, right? It's so, it's so parallel to Psalm 1, the two ways. It's so built into the person of Jesus who is the way. It's a plea, not a test. God, please lead me. Spurgeon preached on this verse, the, the, the way ever, everlasting, he said it was, you know how I found this sermon, <laughs> oh gosh, full knowledge of my sermon prep process right here. I googled, what is the everlasting way? <laughs> That's a little weird. <laughs> Boom, Spurgeon, sermon, the everlasting way, first, first thing on Google, and I just read the whole thing, it was so good. But I'll just share some of that with you. The everlasting way, the only way that truly lasts in the, is, is the way of, of faith in Jesus, right? He says the way of sin, the way of morality, the way of worldliness, the way of religion, those ways do not last. Good luck if that's your path. 
He says the way matters because it, 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 it connotes pr- like progress, process. That is life. We're moving in a direction. And so we need this prayer every morning. God, lead me in the way. And he says the way we choose affects not only us, but any of those who follow us, our kids, our friends, the onlookers into this church. The way we choose affects them. And Spurgeon just says, so help me God, I'm choosing Jesus, right? He's the only way. He talks about how lead me, these words, gives the impression that I'm often misled. Like, God, please. Gives the impression that not only lead me because I'm blind, like show me the way, but it's not just, it doesn't just say show me. That involves I have the power then to pursue the way. It's take my hand and drag me down it. Give me the power once you've made me not blind. Help me. Lord, lead us in the way everlasting. I hope that's just our prayers. We finish out the Psalms. We go on to whatever's next. Uh, like Critter decides to preach too. We said some values and stuff. Look, I, I just pray that you would join me in praying that over just our, especially our salt company staff and our student leaders. You know, as I was thinking about what would it look like for me to just be led going into kickoff season? For me to take my hands a little bit off the wheels. We've done a great job planning. I'm excited about some things. I really am. Got some good stuff in the pocket. It's planned. But I just, I just want to pray more than I ever have for any kickoff season ever. I think something that helps me do this, and you can, this is just an invitation. It's, it's a part of time to fast <laughs> going into kickoff season. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you don't care. Maybe you're like, that's stupid and hyper-religious. We can talk about it later. But something about fasting helps me just be hyper-aware of, like, God, help me. Lead me. If I can do it in a way that doesn't make me angry and just makes me dependent, it's very good practice, I think. And so I'll just invite you guys, consider just skipping a meal and praying for a salt company. Skipping a day of food. I know, crazy. Don't do it if you have, I don't know, health problem. I don't know the inner parts stuff. That's between you. <laughs> but really, let your thoughts just drift to God and what's he, what he wants to do on, on that campus in those four days that really could change a lot for a lot of people that are just going to be moving in. So let's pray. God, lead us. Lead me. Lead me in the way that, that is everlasting. God, you know everything about me. Lord, you know the things I've said to people in this room, the things I've done to people in this room and outside this room that are horrifying. And more than that, you know the thoughts I've had. And yet you love me. God, and so we're just asking you, as we know that we're known, would you help us know you? Would you help us get a glimpse of you this morning and so many other mornings that would just change us, that would truly help us to to live a life of godliness and holiness and righteousness and following after Jesus who loved us so well. And uh, yeah, I pray for a lot of college students uh, in the next few weeks that showed up to campus like like I did, uh, just super far from you. 
and would you make yourself known to them? God, you know them, you know their names, you know their stories, you know their everything. And I'm convinced that you love them, and so we're just asking you to do what only you can do and uh, start with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about us or to get connected, please visit embassybtown.org.